Hi everyone, Eric here. Just a quick technical note about today's discussion with Celso Tomelli in Maputo. You'll notice that there's going to be a little bit of an echo in his line because he was in a big empty room. And unfortunately, well, that was the only place we could find a record. It's still totally audible, but I did want to give you a quick heads up. Enjoy the show. The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Wits University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast, a proud member of the Seneca Network from SubChina. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, the senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good morning to you, Kobus. Good morning. Kobus, as we start to think about the economic devastation that's being caused from the COVID-19 outbreak and the economic lockdowns, the shutdowns, whatever you want to call it, it is not a very good situation right now, and it looks like it's a situation that's going to go from bad to worse as we move into the summer months. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be much in the way of optimism, and economically speaking, for what's going to happen for many parts of Africa. This is compounded in southern Africa by the fact that they're also dealing with climate change issues, particularly drought, or in this case, in, in Kenya recently, we saw floods, and there have been locusts, and there's been a lot of challenges on top of COVID-19. Now, when we think about rebuilding after COVID-19, agriculture looks like it's going to have to play a very, very important role. And in that sense, there's something we're going to talk about today is China's role in, in China-Africa agricultural development and the model that they're taking. In Cobus, it looks like the Chinese over the past 10 years have taken a very different approach in their agricultural development uh, using something called agricultural technology demonstration centers. Uh, this is something that started 10 years ago back in the 2006-2009 uh, forum on China-Africa cooperation. Uh, and they're these centers that are now 22 around the world in 21 different countries. There are 10 in Africa. And it's so interesting because it combines business, technology, agriculture, and it's really seen as a different way and a different approach to development, and it could be very interesting to think about in the COVID-19 rebuilding process. Yes, the, um, the, the centers are aimed at, um, at helping African uh, communities, agricultural communities, to, to adapt to new technology, to develop new seeds, frequently um, tailored to local conditions. Um, and it's frequently done in collaboration with, with Chinese agricultural companies. Um, so it's this interesting kind of hybrid model um, between a conventional aid model and a, and a fully commercial model. Um, in the process... Um, also sets up connections between between China as a market and Africa as a possible um, deliverer of of agricultural commodities to China. This is a a, a movement we've been seeing um, over the last few years. There's a lot of there's a lot of push in Africa to to set Africa up as a kind of um, both as a, a kind of a farming center that sells crops and then also as an agri agri processing um, you know center, particularly for coastal countries. Um, so all of this is very interesting, but it's 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 very up in the air to see how it will actually function um, post the crisis. Now, it's interesting because over the past three or four months, we've been focusing on these ATDCs on our website. 
at ChinaAfricaProject.com, and we've been featuring reports and assessments and different insights on ATDCs from South Africa, from Zimbabwe, and also most recently from Mozambique, looking at the pros and cons of the development model. Uh, there are both, and we're going to dive in a little bit more into what's going on in Mozambique today. And we're so thrilled to have on the show Celso Tamele, who is a Maputo-based country program manager for the international nonprofit development company TechnoServe, and he's the project manager working on the Agricultural Technology Demonstration Center in Maputo. Thank you so much for joining us, Celso. We really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you, Eric, uh, and thank you, Kobus. Now, you wrote an article for us looking back on 10 years of ATDCs in Mozambique. Uh, give us a little bit of overview of the good and the bad looking back on those past 10 years. What's worked and what hasn't worked? Okay, uh, well, uh, as, as you so well uh, int introduced, um, the ATDC uh, project or ATDC intervention started uh, roughly uh, 10 years ago uh, in China during the, the Forum for Economic Exchange between Africa and, and China. And um, one, of the, one of the positive aspects of, of, of this intervention was how fast it was implemented uh, from the former um, president of China, Hu Jintao, uh, launching this initiative until the, the, the construction and operationalization, operationalization of the intervention was a very short period. We showed uh, the willingness of the Chinese uh, government to support African countries uh, to develop uh, the agricultural sector. Um, just to provide a quick, a quick timeline, uh, the agreements were signed in 2007 and the, the, the centers, which were uh, fully built uh, with 100% funding from, 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 from China, um, they were completed uh, around 2008. Uh, and so, so just to show you how, how, how quick, how quick the, 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 the process was. Uh, one of the positive, another positive aspect of, of this uh, intervention was the model. Um, which entailed that um, the centers will be managed by Chinese companies, Chinese private private sector companies. Um, uh, of of course, uh, there were a, a, there were a, bit, a little bit of confusion in, in the beginning because uh, for some countries, uh, the companies that were leading um, management of the ATDC were agricultural companies, but for other countries, were not. There were construction companies or there were companies that were dealing with in other uh, business uh, other businesses. But specifically for Mozambique, um, the center was managed by a company that deal with, uh, with deals with seed, with seed uh, production and, and, and seed commercialization, which was a perfect match for the ATDC in, in Mozambique. And uh, the advantage of, of this model uh, was that the companies that uh, were supporting management of the center brought in uh, their uh, business, uh, business, uh, the, the business orientation and uh, the, the, the business uh, way of, of, of implementing uh, activities, which was a, uh, a lot different from uh, what the government used to, you used to do when, when, when running or managing technology transfer, technology transfer centers. Um, and also uh, they uh, brought in the value chain approach, uh, meaning that they were not only focusing on uh, the production side, but they were all also focusing on, on looking at technologies that looked at the whole, at the, at the whole value chains. Um, the initial value chains that they worked with were, was um, rice, uh, cotton, and, and vegetables. The cotton one wasn't successful because they didn't get good results 
uh, on testing new cotton varieties, but the, the, the rice and, and, and vegetables, horticulture, uh, 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 more specific horticulture value chains were the most successful, successful ones. Uh, so that's what were, were, were the, these in a nutshell, those were are the, the domain successes or uh, the positive side of, of this um, partnership. The negative side uh, was uh, that the model uh, that was uh, designed from the Chinese side wasn't that well um, uh, communicated to, um, to, to, the, to the host governments. Uh, they were uh, envisioned two modes of operation. The first one, the preferred one, will be a mode uh, where uh, in the first three years the, 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 those uh, uh, technology transfer centers will be jointly managed with, between uh, the Chinese companies and the local governments and after three years they, the, 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 the host governments will take over management of the, of the center. And that, that, will be, that, that was preferred because in the, in, in the early stages the centers will, have, will need a lot of technical support from, from, from the Chinese counterpart of course but um, the entities that should lead development shouldn't be the partners, shouldn't be, should, 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 should always be the host government, right? But um, that didn't happen, so uh, they, uh, particularly for the Mozambican ATDC, uh, currently uh, they are using uh, the second mode of operation in which um, the, the management of, of the ATDC wasn't transferred to the host government. And is still under management of the Chinese counterpart. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, like, was was that because of of failures in the running of the actual of, of the actual center, or was that that simply because of of political issues? Uh, it, 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 I, I won't say hundred percent political issues. Um, the, the the problem was uh, that uh, when. Uh, the, 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 the government officials were, were leading the, the negotiation process uh, for um, construction and, 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 and operationalization of the ATDCs were not clear about what will entail to have an ATDC in the country. Because uh, if you uh, introduce a new government entity in the government structure, you, got, you have costs associated to it, right? You have to pay staff, you have to... Uh, I mean, you, you need to allocate uh, a, a tiny piece of the country budget to, that, to, to, to those centers. Um, and they were concerned about that and, and they didn't uh, do uh, the, necessarily, the necessary work to ensure that uh, the government uh, would allocate the, the financial resources to, to, to the ATDC. And, and that's something that, uh, that the Chinese counterpart cannot control I mean, uh, it's only the government side has to control. I mean, so meaning that ownership was the was was was, was the was the main the, the, the main issue, the main issue, ownership. Uh, if you but you if you you use the term like political uh, political reasons, uh, I won't I won't say for political reasons because from a political uh, point of view, those ATDCs uh, really have a potential to provide impact. To the government, uh, to 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 the, to the government uh, agenda, right? Because I mean, uh, you have uh, farmers engaged in working with the ATDC, and the ATDC can also uh, transfer uh, technology that can increase production and productivity. Okay, so uh, uh, my perspective, uh, ownership was the was 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 the main was the main issue because no one uh, had a clear view about the potential of the ATDC and how 
uh, the ATDC could be uh, inserted in the government structure and how it could provide a produce impact. Talk to us a little bit about what actually happens at an ATDC. What are you what are you doing on the ground day to day? Okay, um, one of one of the things that we uh, okay the the initial idea of the ATDC was to be some sort of bridge between uh, the, Chi- the the Chinese uh, technologies that have been created and that they have been um, proved that they that they that they work and uh, a bridge between those technologies and the farmers in in in, in Mozambique. I, I know that you are all aware about uh, the pathway that China went, uh, went, went through to reach uh, the level of development that they, that they have right now. Uh, looking specifically at the agricultural sector, they went from having very low uh, production to high production levels. And that was mainly uh, done uh, by using um, uh, smart uh, technology choices. And those technology choices were all were all imported from 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 different countries. Most of them were not 100% developed in China. So during one period, China went uh, uh, visited uh, uh, partner co- countries, and they picked the types of technologies that they thought they were they were su- suitable to uh, to their farmers, and they improved those technologies and they worked. And now the UF the 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 the, the, the powerhouse that uh, China is right now. And so they wanted to support us on using the same model and uh, using um, technologies that come that, that come that come from 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 China initially, but with the potential of uh, sourcing technologies from from other countries as well. Uh, meaning that uh, for the ATDCs, China is the main partner, but it, sh- it shouldn't be the only partner, right? Uh, the, the ATDC should be uh, a platform in which. Uh, we uh, the, the, the the Mozambique uh, in this particular case could uh, implement a technology transfer model that allows uh, the, the ADDC to look at what the farmers need and uh, look first internally to see if there are solutions. If there are no solutions internally in the country, then they can, they can look abroad. Starting with China, of course, but if China doesn't uh, provide solutions, then they can they can look at other at other other countries. And that will be, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what we call the identification phase. And then they move towards a testing phase, uh, it, uh, meaning that uh, the fact that you identify technology doesn't mean that it's suitable. You need to test it. And that's what the DTDC does. They test, uh, the DTDC tests uh, the, the different technologies. And uh, if the technologies uh, prove that they are, they are suitable to, uh, to, 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 to the farmers, to the local farmers, then they move towards the next step, which is to uh, the demonstration phase, which um, uh, focuses on showing, uh, in, in, in practical terms, if the technology uh, works to solve the, that particular uh, that uh, one particular problem. And then uh, the next, uh, and after the, we do the de- demonstration, then the ATDC search for partnerships, uh, so that uh, they can move towards uh, doing pilots. Uh, meaning that uh, testing those, those technologies uh, in, in, in a larger scale at farmer level uh, or at uh, private enterprise level, and then research for partners for data research for partners for scaling up. Uh, meaning that uh, we are aware that ATDC does not have the capacity to reach each individual farmer in the country. Uh, as you are aware, we are now. Uh, almost uh, 28 million uh, people and 70% of, of the population in Mozambique are farmers. 
or uh, are living um, in rural in rural areas. So it's, it's impossible for the ADDC on its own to reach uh, that vast uh, universe of, of, of farmers. So for scaling up and piloting, uh, the ADDC has to search for partnerships. And partnerships include NGOs, private sector companies, and other government institutions uh, to uh, be able to um, to share and, and, and transfer the technologies that ADDC has identified, tested, and demonstrated that they, that they can be useful to, to farmers. So in a nutshell, that, that's what ADDC does. And so has, has any of the of the crops um, you know developed and tested at, at the um, ATDC in um, in Mozambique has any of those actually gone to commercial cultivation yet? Yes, uh, let me start before I, I talk about uh, the, 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 main, the, the main success in terms of, of, of crops that have been developed. Let me uh, just uh, explain to you what happened uh, for the first group of crops that are largely tested which are um, vegetables or, or, or horticultural uh, crops. Um, uh, since the beginning, uh, the farm has been uh, self-sustainable in terms of, uh, of, of, of crop, crop production, especially in production in, in, in horticulture, meaning that, uh, that the, the Chinese counterpart has been importing seeds from, from, from China uh, and testing them cont- continuously. The varieties that uh, perform well they are commercially produced at the, at the farm, and the farm has a store, and then they, and they sell it, sell those, those those crops to the general public, but specifically to the Chinese community that lives in in, uh, in Mozambique uh, for those specific um, crop varieties that are preferred by the by 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 by, by Chinese uh, Chinese folks. Okay. Uh, in, but uh, particular to agriculture, we we do not have one particular crop. That has been uh, released. When I say released, that has been made available uh, commercially um, to the public because the ATDC does not have the mandate to produce seed. Uh, it's uh, the, the mandate is just to uh, do uh, the, to go through the process that I just explained. Uh, but uh, the but um, we the ATDC also worked with rice, and that's where they had this, this, this success. Um, they, there are several uh, rice varieties imp- imported from, from China. They were tested at ATDC, and there was one uh, that gave uh, very, very uh, positive uh, results. And that variety is called Simiao. Uh, and now it's being uh, commercially produced in two provinces in the country, uh, in Gaza province here in the, in the south and uh, in, in the center of the country in Zambezia province. Okay. Um, the, of course, that that work wasn't done in, individually by by the Chinese counterpart. It was a joint effort between uh, the government of Mozambique through uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and and also uh, by Liang Feng, which is the the, the Chinese counterpart. So the, the main the, the, the one of the main successes of the ATDC is the release of that uh, rice variety. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of of, uh, of performance. Just to give an idea about the yields, um, in Mozambique, the rice yields uh, are around 2 to 3 uh, tons per hectare. And those are the yields that farmers, uh, on average, get. But with, uh, with the rice, uh, with, with the Simiao variety, uh, yields have, have increased up to from, from, uh, up from 8 to 10 tons per hectare. So that's a, 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 a major increase. Um, and uh, we have, uh, as I said, we have two, 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 uh, two provinces where uh, this uh, variety is produced. 
Yeah, that is a very, very big increase. Is that additional output being sold for export or is it being used in the domestic market? Um, now it's mainly, mainly used at the, 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 the domestic market um, because uh, the, the dry sector is... Um, is uh, the rice, the rice sector is, is quite a complicated one. Um, as you may, I, I don't know if you are aware, but Mozambique rice is uh, one of the staple foods. <laughs> Although we do not produce that much rice yet, uh, meaning that um, our market, uh, we have a lot of import imported rice in our market, and uh, the rice that's imported is very cheap, right? Uh, and and now uh, the, the the rice locally produced. Uh, it, it has difficulties to compete because uh, although uh, we uh, although we have a, a, a high quality 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 rice, when you add in all the costs, then uh, the price is a little bit uh, higher when compared to to to, to, to the imports. So feasibility is a it's it's it's, 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 it's an issue it's an issue there. Okay, uh, but uh, the the government is is looking at at the rice sector. Um, they are collecting data to see if it's feasible um, to uh, focus on increasing rice production, uh, so that we can uh, we can we can reduce uh, imports. But uh, we are still collecting 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 data on that because for that uh, rice sector to be feasible, we have to involve uh, the smallholder farmers, which are the majority of farmers in the country, the majority of population in the country, but. For that to happen, we need to ensure that right production is uh, profitable. Because I mean, I don't know uh, if you uh, work with, with cereals before. Uh, for for crops like maize or, or, or corn and, and rice, you have to produce in, in quite a high scale to be able to, uh, to to make to make to make profits. But we know that smallholder farmers do not have large areas, so we need to. Uh, so what we are doing now. Um, as a country, it's collecting data to see if uh, if a smallholder can profit from rice. Because if we divert all the farmers towards uh, producing rice in a, in a large scale and it's not prof- profitable, uh, then uh, we will not be escaping poverty. We will be producing rice, yes, but uh, the, the 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 farmers will not be uh, improving uh, their 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 financial situation. They won't be escaping poverty. Yeah. So that those are the those are the, the analysis that the, the country is doing uh, at this stage. The the image I have of rice production is that it's very water intensive. Um, is that is that true for the rice that's being produced in Mozambique at the moment? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yes, it is. Um, as a country, I have to say that we are blessed in terms of access to water resources. Uh, we are uh, on the coast, uh, and most of the ri- of most of the rivers. Uh, uh, in, the, in, in, in this particular region flow through our country. So both in the, in, the, in the south and the center and the north, we have major rivers and we have especially the, the Zambezi River, which is a very large river. And we have, uh, in terms of, of area with the potential for, to be uh, used for irrigation, it's quite large. And we are using even less than 10% of, of, what, of what, what is uh, uh, available. Uh, meaning that we are not concerned at this stage about uh, about water use, although we are going through um, uh, a, a very hard uh, uh, period. This is our fourth consecutive consecutive year of drought in the south, 
But um, if you look at the center and north of the country, uh, that's not that's not a problem. So water sh- water shortage or access access to water is not an, is not an issue. We have a lot of potential to produce rice here in the country. Very quickly, when we look at what you've been the work you've been doing at the Agricultural Technology Demonstration Center, and you compare what the Chinese approach to agricultural aid and development is with, say, a, a U.S. European approach, what would you say are the differences and similarities so people can get their mind around what's going on? Okay, from my perspective, uh, the, the, the main in, in terms of objective. Uh, both the European and Chinese, they have the same objective, right? It's um, the purpose is to improve the, the, the agricultural sector, improve production and productivity, reduce poverty, and, and, and etc. So they have, they, they have the same objective. But um, uh, the, delivery, uh, the delivery approach is what differs the, the, the most. If you look at, uh, from my perspective, if you look at the European approach, they create uh, these uh, different uh, projects where they send consultants who come in and teach um, local farmers how to produce and how to use the different techniques. But uh, there's always a gap in terms of access to market and also in on how to uh, to do to uh, to do business here because there's, uh, if, if they are not in doing the business on, on uh, by themselves. Meaning that they, they, they are not able to go through uh, the difficulties that a local farmer, a local business owner has to go through here in the country. And that's where the, the, the Chinese bring in the difference. They brought in those uh, companies, they are managing the, the ATDCs. Those are private companies in, in, in China. Of course, they are supported by, by the, they have been selected and they get support from the government. But they come here with a, with a, business, with a business approach. And they install their business operations in the country, and they have to deal with all the, the the constraints and limitations of the market, access to inputs, access to technical expertise, everything. And they have to go uh, through all the all the these difficulties and use their um, their experience and and the technology they, they they bring in to go around all those difficulties. And the, the, that 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 is the the main. Um, uh, the, the main, the main positive aspect of of, of this uh, Chinese uh, approach, and that's the the, the 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 main the main difference. Because by uh, by by the farmers uh, working with them, they are uh, it's a lot easier uh, for 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 the country to retain the the, the knowledge and the technical expertise that they that they that they bring in, and they also bring in the market. Okay, because um, we need to understand that uh, the long term goal. Of, of China, and we must be very clear about this, is that they also want to, us to produce enough so that we can export, uh, export to China, right? As you may be aware, uh, China has reached uh, like uh, the limit in terms of land use, um, meaning that they, they are relying more and more on, on imports for raw products and also for agricultural products as well. So um, these partnerships have are a win-win situation for, for both countries because I mean, they bring the technical expertise and they also bring the market. Um, and and roughly, how far do you think we are from actually from Mozambique actually exporting to China? Like, how long do you think that would take? Okay, for 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 that to for that to happen to happen, we uh, look at specifically. Uh, I'll give to I'll give I'll, I'll focus on the on the rice example. Uh, for this, for that to happen, we we're going to need uh, a clear positioning from from, from 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 the government, okay? 
because uh, we have, uh, I think, three or four uh, Chinese companies here produ producing rice in the country, but they cannot do everything on their own if there are no, if there are no policies um, supporting them to be able to, to, be able to, be able to do so. Um, they have proved uh, several times uh, that it is possible to um, produce uh, rice on large scale and with high yields. They proved here in the south and in the center of the country. But for them to be able to produce in, 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 uh, in very high volumes, they need some protection from, uh, from the government at, at policy level. And they also need, again, they also need to, in, to include the smallholder farmers. Because uh, as, as you may be uh, aware, uh, land belongs to the government, right? And uh, farmers are using the land. And if they want to increase areas, if they want to um, uh, increase production, they have, they have to partner with, the, with, the, with, with, with local farmers. And if there, if there are no, no, no policies that support this process, then we are going to go through that process of uh, dealing with issues related to land grabbing. They will be uh, achieving high yields, but they won't be able to export because uh, they won't be able to compete in the market because, uh, because, uh, because of, of, of things such as what I've explained earlier, uh, the, the, the excessive imports, imports of, 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 of rice through, 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 the, through the country. Uh, meaning that uh, we, uh, if you, as, as you ask, how far are we? We are not that far away, but uh, it will take a lot longer if the government does not decide what is the approach for rice production in the country. It's interesting that, that they, the focus is on exporting rice to China, in part because China is a country that has a lot of different sources for rice here in Vietnam, Thailand, China itself produces quite a bit of rice. There's a lot of places where it can get rice. And it would be interesting for me to better understand why the focus isn't on using the new output of rice coming out of Mozambique and exporting it elsewhere in Africa, in part because to take advantage of the new free trade opportunities that are coming, and also because so many other African countries use precious foreign currency to uh, to purchase rice from overseas, particularly from countries like Thailand and Vietnam, that it would seem it would be better f to direct though that surplus rice into the African market rather than to send it to China. Do you have any insights on that? We, we, as, as, as I said, one of the good things that uh, the Chinese companies are here and not dealing with the, with the market issues and with the, with, the, with the politics of it and all those, and all those, and all those, 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 those constraints. Um, to be, uh, although there are these agreements in Africa, free trade and etc., but when you want to do it in practice, it's not as it's not that easy. Okay, the agreements are there, but um, when you uh, when you want, when you try to navigate all these agreements and try to reach those markets, it's, it, 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 it has proved in the past to be a lot, a lot harder. So it's easier to sell to China than it is for Mozambique to sell to Zimbabwe, for example. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, if, so you must understand that from a, from from a Chinese uh, from a, from a Chinese company, they rather uh, do a business partnership with a partner that they already know, which is China, right? It's a lot easier for them to secure contracts with with, with them than with the neighboring countries, because I mean uh, there there are so many uh, obstacles. Uh, there's so much bureaucracy in the, in the, in, the, in the middle. And I don't know if you are not. Uh, I, I, I know that you are aware that um, uh, the, the Chinese, particularly, do not go uh, <laughs> that well with bureaucracy, right? 
Uh, they like to make shortcuts. They don't want to. They don't like to um, to go through processes. So it, it, it is very hard for for them. Uh, there, but there 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 are uh, some movements towards um, uh, simplifying those processes. Uh, there are some uh, some projects that are focusing on that, but they are still on a very early stage, and we also need participation of the of the private sector, specifically talking specifically about Chinese companies in the process to, to uh, for them to to, to, to be successful. So um, again, uh, it's it, it makes sense, uh, Eric, what what you have suggested to look at our internal market first, but it takes it takes a lot of effort for for, for the companies, and it's not their job to uh, have to uh, deal with all these uh, to all these processes. The governments should be able to make the life of the private sector as easy as possible, so that they can focus on what they do best, which is producing, right? The article is Reflections on a Decade of Chinese Agricultural Engagement in Mozambique. It was written by Celso Tumele, who is the project manager for the Agricultural Technology Demonstration Center in Mozambique, based in Maputo. Uh, he's also a uh, program manager for the international nonprofit development company Technoserve. Uh, Celso, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Kobus, for the opportunity. <music> Kobus, it's really interesting to hear what Celso was talking about in terms of the role of the Chinese private sector in these ATDCs. And I think that challenges one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of people have, particularly in places like Europe and the United States, who see Chinese engagement in Africa as a state-led initiative. Now, this, of course, was initiated by the state, but at the end of the day, it is really a public-private partnership. He was talking so much about how the private Chinese corporations that are partners in the ATDCs uh, are market-driven. And that is something that we don't hear a lot about in the discussion about China-Africa. And it's one of the main kind of points that people like Mike Pompeo at the United States Department of State keep hitting on, saying we are private sector driven. We are not government led. And these ATDCs in many ways are a positive story for China to hit back. They're not doing it for the most part. No one really knows about the public-private partnerships that are going on in these ATDCs. But it is an interesting aspect of this that that I find uh, a little bit surprising, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it, it's, it's a, a testament to how China, you know, in innovative ways kind of scrambles uh, development models that we've seen before. Um, you know, because, because in terms of technology travel, transfer um, and skills transfer, it makes sense that the companies would be involved. Um, you know, kind of what I think where it becomes trickier and, and also more interesting is is the commercial rollout of, of it, um, you know, once it's been successful. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see whether Mozambique actually, get, you know, reaches the goal of being able to export commercially based on this technology. It's fascinating that he was saying how difficult it is to export rice domestically uh, or intra-Africa trade. And we hear so much about this new emphasis on the free trade, the Continental Free Trade Agreement and the potential that it brings. Uh, one of the problems has been a lack of product diversification. This, the best example of that is that Rwanda is not going to sell coffee to Kenya. And then the second problem is what, what Celso talked about, which was how difficult it is, the fact that it's easier to export rice to China than it is for Mozambique to export to Zimbabwe or somewhere else in Southern Africa. That is an issue that I think is tragic, in part because in this post-COVID-19 era, 
we're going to have to think about ways to facilitate the movement of goods and people across borders to make it easier, cheaper, and more affordable so that they can reduce their import bill, particularly for things like food, which a lot of hard-earned African foreign currency goes to pay for. So unless they can get rid of these bureaucratic barriers, it's really going to present a huge challenge for them. Well, one of the reasons for that is is that African governments have have relatively low um, capacity to gather tax, um, which means that they're more dependent on on, um, tariffs than many other governments. So so the Continental Free Trade Agreement also necessitates that all Obviously, all of these tariffs have to go, but then it means that that government budgets have to be redone, um, and you know, so so that is why it's it's a kind of a complicated thing to do. It, it has to be done, but it's going to take a while and be pretty complicated to do. Quick question: Every single time we post an article about China Africa agricultural cooperation, development partnerships, whatever you want to call it, uh, one of the first comments that comes back, and it's you can time it like clockwork is that this is part of a Chinese land grab. That is instantly what comes back. And talk to us a little bit about why that is. Where's the sensitivity on that coming from? It, there is no evidence of Chinese land grabs in Africa. Professor Deborah Braudigan wrote an entire book about it. But yet it really feels like top of mind for a lot of people, not just in Africa, but elsewhere, that that's what the Chinese agenda here is. Why the word land grab and why? where's that coming from? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I mean, obviously, lots of countries have commercial agriculture and and use that for export. You know, with without land grabbing, even even in cases where where there's large scale land leasing, um, I think it 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 re- relates to. Africa's history, and of course, Africa has a, a, a very kind of horrendous and long history of land being grabbed by outsiders. So I think it is it it, it plays into anxieties in Africa of um, of outsiders coming and you know and, and using insider inf- influence to to you know take over land from from communities. Um, and I think it also fits into stories that Western commentators want to hear about China. They want to hear stories about land grabs in Africa, so they end up hearing them, you know, whether they're happening or not. Um, so, so I think it, 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 it feeds into pre-existing narratives. And these kind of technology developments, you know, I think in, in this is a small way of actually challenging those, those kind of narratives and, and, and pointing the way forward to commercial agriculture in Africa. But as we've shown, it's, it's, a, it's a long road. We've talked about this previously in the context of the African manufacturing and industrialization story, which a lot of us are quite skeptical will happen, in part because the infrastructure to do large-scale industrialization just isn't there. I mean, power is not there. The regulatory infrastructure is not there. If it happens, it will be something that happens uh, down the road, but not in the short-term, immediate future. Agriculture has been this area of employment or potential employment that can be optimized to help, again, many, many countries uh, to revitalize themselves, particularly in this era of COVID-19. You, for one, are also a very big proponent of emphasizing agriculture more than, say, manufacturing. And what is the potential, in your view, of using things like the ATDC and other agricultural reforms and development programs to help generate jobs? Well, you know, Africa has a large rural population. It has a lot of arable land, um, and it has a, a relatively large skills base in agriculture already. You know, the, there is um, a lot of people are growing food in Africa, um, and to help them to make to to grow food in a more in, um, commercially viable way could be very helpful. You know, among others, because um, African cities are not really set up to accept the number of of internal migrants as they're getting at the moment. 
Um, so more people staying in, in rural areas in Africa will be helpful. The problem, though, is that a lot of, of um, commercial agriculture, you know, is particularly as we see in the U.S. Um, in places like like um, Iowa, you know, so like in rural U.S., it's frequently a kind of massive monocultures, very very large farms of very low populations, um, which then, if that model is implemented in Africa, it would mean sweeping millions and millions of rural people off the land, and then also stripping the environment, you know, and essentially like paving everything in, in one in one crop. Um, so both of those need to be avoided. Um, you know, the 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 small-scale agricultural systems that that are happening in Africa at the moment are valuable in lots of different ways, and and their value needs to be preserved, even as they are turning more to, turned more commercial. And that is a very big challenge. You know, it's, it's difficult to 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 work out how to do that. But that's where China, in fact, can come in because that is exactly the way it is in China. It's small it's small-scale farmers in China. It's not the big mega farms. It's really something very interesting. When you go out to rural China, you will see plots of land that are, you know, very, very small. And in that sense, I think there's a lot of the expertise that the Chinese uh, can bring to Africa, in part because their agricultural development system seems to be much more similar with the situation in Africa than, say, what we're seeing in Europe, which is heavily subsidized, or in the United States, which is corporate-driven. And in that sense, I think there is a lot of potential. Also on the policy side, that so much of what Deng Xiaoping did back in the late 70s, early 80s to unleash the economic revolution of the, pre, the 40 years that followed started in agriculture. And it was a policy and it was uh, in the regulatory side. So I think in land reform in those areas, there are some other things that we can take away. Of course, China's system is very, very different. It's a communist authoritarian system. Uh, it's a single party state. It's not like a lot of African countries in that sense. So there's not a one for one, but there are pieces of it, particularly because it focuses on small scale agriculture. Well, this is a topic that we're focusing quite a bit of attention on. In part, we're trying to diversify away from COVID-19, but at the same time, keep our eye on how COVID-19 is affecting everything. So it's a little bit of both, uh, but agriculture is going to be one of those key areas that we focus on in the post-COVID-19 area uh, and, and understand exactly how the continent and countries like Mozambique are going to rebuild themselves following once there is hopefully a, a vaccine for this menacing virus, uh, hopefully again within the next year or so. But so that'll do it for this edition of the China in Africa podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what we're doing, just head over to our website at chinaafricaproject.com. Also, quick reminder, we have our daily newsletter that Cobus and I produce that goes out uh, you know, every morning at 6 a.m. Washington time, midday in, uh, in Johannesburg, and then here in the evening in Asia. Uh, and it's basically a deep dive, and that's where we have all of the COVID-19 coverage up to the minute, everything that's going on. It is a digest that is thick. And so if you're following China Africa, especially for work, we I think you would love to see what we're doing. Try it out for free for two weeks. Just go to chinaafricaproject.com slash subscribe. We'd be great to have you part of our growing reader community. So that'll do it for this edition. Until next time, I'm Eric Olander for Kobus van Staden. Thanks so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash chinaafricaproject to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Gwobas at Stadinsky or Eric at eOlander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com.